0: Thank you, Robbie. One day you'll learn to play like me. Sorry, brother, I just had to say that. Just I know you hope that you could be like that. I hope, I hope my hair looks as good as yours, um, you know, because we have to deal with some elders that don't have hair, so those are the ones that don't have hair in sin, and, and the ones that have hair, well, you know where we're going. So my point today is this is, is, is that I'm just so excited to see what God is doing and has done miraculously in the body of Christ. He has been so good to us, and I know I say this a lot, but it's true. If he doesn't do anything else, all right, I'll go over here. We're at Summit. We're Bapticostal. Let's sit in it. If Jesus doesn't do anything else. He's already done enough. Can I get a witness on that? The Lord has done so many great things. Let me just break it down for you because it's hard for me to see. So if it looks like I'm squinting, I apologize because you know how the lights are right here. So I'm like this, you know, bending down, looking down, trying to see you because I love you and y'all are my heroes. And I just want you to know what the Lord is doing. So Friday night when we got to share with the, the football team and they got that big gift towards the expansion of the weight room and, and all the new equipment. I'm just so excited about that and, and what God is doing and how God is blessing. Hey, now I can see. And so but what's awesome in this is that you and I get to experience the power of the Lord. What I mean by this is what I share with them. I came out with the data uh, in, in, in 2011, and I began to tell them about the football budget's of different schools within what we call the football championship subdivision, which is our level. It's the old Division I AA level. And and Division I would be like South Carolina, Clemson, and so on. And so what I wanted you to get is this, is I want you to see how the Lord works. We've been dealing on this journey of faith. And last week I said, listen, it's not about sin management. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about our faith. In Jesus Christ, it is about the faith that we have. And Satan wants to attack our faith. He wants you to be weak in faith. He wants to put doubt in your heart towards uh, trusting God and just diminish the trust that we have in the Lord. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. And we showed that journey. And we showed how God is, even when we are weak in our faith, when we are faithless, 2 Timothy 2.13, he is what? Faithful. And that fullness of his faith covers into us. So what happens is this, is what I shared with Coach Chau and the team. And I want you to wrap your mind around it because this is the beauty of the Lord. As I want you to see what happens. Is that the team that we played yesterday, I say we because I believe in the oneness of God. The team that we played yesterday, who are brothers and sisters in the Lord at Liberty, but here's what I want to show you. It's about God showing himself. So we are... These little Christs that go around that people see us. And remember what we said last week? Remember what we said on the football team? The cones and rods, and uh, uh, Nancy Castillo reminded me of, in your eyes, the light, the uh, objects can only be seen if light hits it. So if light hits me, you can't see me until light hits me. That's the way our eyes work. That's the way it is with Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and he is shown in our hearts. And so now we as objects, now people can see Jesus because they see his light in us. And so what's happening is God wants to show himself strong for his people. So to get back to let you know, Liberty, let me just put it to you as best I can. Liberty's football budget in 2011, what year is it? 2015. Hey, lights on and off. So, here we go. Liberty's, Liberty's budget is so large. In 2011, Appalachian State's budget was $17 million. Liberty's budget in 2011 was over $19,400,000. Football budget. I didn't say athletic budget, did I? I said football budget. In 2011, our total athletic budget for 14 teams, that even includes the people that are even going to, all the salaries and administration and everything else and all the functionality of the buildings, all the way down to the people that clean it. The total budget, the total budget for the whole athletic department in 2011. Any guess? $8.2 Are y'all tracking me? 8.2 million. Football at Liberty in 2011, which is way more than that now, was 19,400,000 hundred plus thousand. What I'm trying to say is this, is that saints, if you can wrap your mind around the goodness of God, is that God does not need man's money or anything else. Who God chooses to raise up, he will raise up. Because God is faithful, and it is our job to surrender to the Lord. I mean, that's what I want to tell you. You say, well, I don't have any money, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. Listen, that means nothing in God's economy. That's the God that we serve and love. And that's the God you choose to follow, that you surrendered your life to because the Spirit of God's worked within you. That's the power of the Lord. God will raise up who he wants to raise up, tear down who he wants to tear down, and all of it will be for his glory. We can trust his goodness. Are you tracking me? So that's what God's doing. Now, here's the challenge. The Bible says in Proverbs, you are tested by the praise you receive. Let me break it down for you. Bigger level, bigger devil. You are tested by the, you don't think for a moment that Coach Travel and all his players, you don't think for our, our men's golf, you don't think for our women's team, you don't think for a moment that people that are successful, you don't think for a moment, they are tested by the praise you receive. Knowledge puffs up. That's why in academics, what have we done? What has academics done? Academics, as, as my mentor said, Dr. McKinney, we always move to the left. Always. Because unless Jesus is the very core and center and he becomes so valued, like Matthew 13 says, that we are willing to sell all that we have and go buy the field where the treasure is, unless it becomes that valuable, we'll never be able to make it. That's the power of the Lord. And that's what God is doing. I want you to see. I want you to see. The spirit is like burning in me. John, remind the people of God what I'm doing so that they can see. We are seeing miracles take place. You don't win with an 8.2 million athletic budget. You don't win. It's only by the grace of God. And so the pride can set in. And God is saying, I want to show myself. And one thing I know about the Lord, where there is pride, there will be no Jesus. Because pride cometh before the what, saints? Mm, well. So I've been burning... God is proclaiming himself to us. And so Thursday night, I told him, Thursday night we had campus worship at the football stadium. And I told him Thursday night, and to borrow a little Dr. Alvin Reed, Dr. McKinnon, because you're going to come up here and pray for us. But I'm going to say this right now. He said this. The gospel is not just declared. It's what, was anybody there? Proclaimed. The gospel, you better make this point. It's all the notes are on Summit Facebook, Summit Church Facebook, so you can check them out. The gospel is not just declared, but claimed. Listen, I'm sick and tired of people saying, oh, I'm a Christian, or I'm a Christian, or I'm a Christian. No, I want to see the proclamation of the gospel, not just the declaration i mm. I'm tired of declarations. I'm tired of declarations. Declarations don't mean anything unless they're proclaimed. And the Lord is proclaiming himself to us. Do you see what God is doing on this campus? He is saying, we, I am right with you. He's saying that to this whole camp. He's saying to this whole community. He's saying it to Charleston. For those that are guests, we value you. You, you know your family here. God is with us. And if he's with us, he is for us. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to proclaim the gospel. I will show you that the gospel was not just, it was not just declared but proclaimed. But before we do that, uh, Dr. McKinnon, come up here? Jay, I'm going to use this orange one. Can you come up here? I want you to pray for us. I don't even know where you are, Dr. McKinnon. Where are you? Come on up here. This uh, This is my mentor in the Lord. This is Dr. Stephen McKinnon. Some of you students in here, this is Lachlan's father. So if Lachlan messes up, just call his daddy. All right, here we go. But has a nice flow. All right. So this is Dr. McKinnon. Dr. McKinnon is my mentor. And uh, I can't even begin to... to Give you his accolades because I know he won't say anything about himself and his beautiful wife and his beautiful family and Harrison and Blakely and Lachlan and his son Harrison who had cancer. And you struggle with that and struggled and cancer at 12, right? So 11 or 12, was 10 actually started, went all the way to 13. He just got pronounced not long ago cancer-free, didn't he? Let's see how that got worse. And so that's the Lord, like, that's the Lord. That's the Lord, and God will do things. Now, listen, if you wonder why Lachlan's like he is, that's because, hmm, well. I mean, this is a man who's, like, jumping dirt bikes and breaks his neck. He's just out of control. But, like, I mean, listen, this guy's smart. I mean, he's real smart. Ph.D. from Aberdeen and Scotland, like, all this stuff. And he just allowed me into his world in 1999. And I knew nothing. I told you, I walk into seminary seminary, seminary, seminary as just a, a, a football coach who knows nothing. And somebody says eschatology, which is like, you know, end time studies. And I thought they were Christian cussing me. I didn't know what was going on. He just took me under, under his wing and he just loved on me. He saw something in me. He saw, he saw this guy in this classroom and didn't know anything and he loved on me. So listen, uh, Dr. McKinnon, thank you for loving me. Thank you for uh, allowing me into your world. And will you pray for us that the Holy Spirit would just, would just move? Like he's a great man of God. So if y'all, y'all got all the dirt on me, so go ahead and tell him so he can get on me. So just might as well tell him, but he's going to pray for us. Let's, let's stand. Let's stand. Let's burn some calories, people. I'm burning up here. I'm sweating already. Let's pray.
1: You know, there's nobody in the world that I have greater respect for than John Davis because everything he's saying up here, he really believes. There are a lot of people who say it, um, but not a whole lot of people who believe it the way that he does. And uh, what an honor to be here uh, with you today. And and I really do want to pray that God would speak to our hearts because we need that more than anything else, right? So let's pray together. Father, this morning uh, already... Uh, already we've been challenged with a reminder that uh, the gospel is not just what we say to be true, but it's what we proclaim. And uh, we want to we join in the progress of the gospel, the mm-hmm. inward progress of the gospel as it changes our lives, as it conforms us to your image, and the outward progress of the gospel as it reaches out into a world that's dark and uh, that needs desperately the hope that you offer to them in Jesus. And we pray that what happens in here today would be truly transformative. Um, we, we invite and invoke the Holy Spirit to yes. come and to uh, have, have free reign among us, that uh, he would speak to our hearts, that he would open our eyes, as the Bible says, illumine us, to open our eyes to the, the truth of the, the Bible, uh, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, God who has come with us, and to remind us that we are not alone that our God really is here with us and dwells within us and joins us together with each other. We pray that you would open our minds uh, to understand, to receive what it is that you say to us. Not only our eyes to see, but our minds to understand and our hearts to respond. Uh, we, We do pray for hearts that are open to your work and your movement and your ministry to us. And we pray that as you speak to us today, And as we hear with our eyes and as we respond with our hearts, that we would have love for you and love Mm. for each other and love for the people around us that don't know Jesus, that uh, is so exorbitant uh, that there's no other explanation than the grace and the power of God. And so we do pray for John right now. We pray that you would speak through him to us and that you would bless him richly as he opens up your word and as he shares your message to us. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Dr. McKinnon. I love you. You're a great man of God. I'm telling you. Y'all go ahead and just tell him all the dirt. He'll probably just go ahead and agree on it. So y'all want to get me in trouble. There he is. And he, he allowed me to sit underneath him for, the, for that THM non-thesis. I was so thankful for that and trying to transfer my PhD underneath him so it's work. And so just... A, A blessing. You know, the gospel is not just declared but proclaimed. Let me show you what I mean by that. In Mark chapter 1, I just want to show you some verses how Jesus was proclaiming the gospel. Repent, right, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's declaring the gospel, but here, here we get to see how this is played out. In verse 22, the, it says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. It wasn't just declared, it was proclaimed. He continues on in that passage, and we see how beautiful it is in verse 23. Just then a man in their synagogue was who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And here's Jesus' response. Be quiet. I love when God just tells the enemy, let me put it in John's terms, shut up. Right? Let's just, let's just go straight. Let's just go straight, pinto beans and cornbread. Shut up. Right? Uh, said Jesus sternly, Notice you, you, you get the accent there. Uh, come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with what saints? That's, the, that's proclamation. I'm tired of people telling me, oh, I believe in Jesus. No, tell me not only that you love Jesus, but let me see your love for Jesus. Because that's what the world's looking for. They're looking for a proclamation. Look in verses 30 and following. You see this again. Simon, uh, that's Peter, mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and Jesus, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Look at the power of the gospel. Verse 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all The sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Proclamation proclamation God is proclaiming he is with us is anybody witness that we have won an outright title and y'all understand but John you keep going back to winning I'm not talking about us I'm talking about that God has overcome so much because of our lack it makes his giving so great and he is showing that he is with us there's a proclamation go down to verse 39 39 So he, Jesus, traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Look at verse 40. This blows me away. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. Let that sink and sit in your heart. On his knees, the untouchable is begging. That's me. While we were still sinners, Christ did what, saints? Yes, I'm an untouchable. Don't think for a moment that your sin can keep you away from the touch of Jesus. Mm, 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 mm. Your uncleanliness has no. Listen, if our uncleanliness was was greater than the love and the blood of Jesus, then he is not God. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. It wasn't, Can you make me clean? Now, you can make me clean, but if you're just willing. I know you can do it, Jesus. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do it, Jesus? Do you want to do it? Do you you want to raise up the people of God who will say, enjoy, though I don't have what everybody else has. I don't have budgets. I don't have finance. I don't have these degrees. I don't have a home life or support. I don't know where I'm going. But in the middle of this, of the middle of this brokenness, in the middle of it, I submit to the one who can bring it all together. And whether you do or whether you don't, blessed be the Verse 41, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately, immediately the leprosy left him. and He was cured. Don't tell me about declaration. Don't tell me about declaration. I want to see proclamation. I want to see the people of God because God has... To the best that I can understand, the Holy Spirit expressed and shown himself externally that if the football team ever doubts that there's a God, then guess what? Then Satan wins because there's no doubt that God said, I am with you because you don't do. I knew you said, but John, you don't know how talented we are. I do know how talented you are, but I will say this. Regardless of how talented you are, that in one breath, it could be taken away by an injury. Though how talented you are, you have to overcome such obstacles and, and budget limit restrictions and limitations because you might not be able to recruit or go do I mean, there's all kinds of obstacles, but God is saying, I am with you and I want to show the world that I am faithful hold on to that hold on to that because the moment that you sin and you think that you're not worthy to get into the presence of God I want you to know something that his beauty and his glory and his mercy and his forgiveness the beauty of the gospel is greater than anything that we could do because his love is undefeated. Mark chapter 3 Jesus healed the man with the shriveled hand Mark 3, verse 10. For he had healed man so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Verse 11. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. Even, even the proclamation of the gospel was coming from the enemy. Here's what I know when God is moving strong. When our enemies, enemies say, I don't know what's going on, but God is with them. When you go to your job, and your boss is just far from the Lord. When you're praying for your grandchildren, and they are far from the Lord, I want you to know that greater is he that is in you. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If some of us in this room today, if we would just submit to the full lordship of Jesus Christ, we would just trust him and not let the enemy say, you have to look this way, you have to act this way, and you have to be a certain way, you know, in order to get the girl or to get the guy. But if we would just submit to loving Jesus Christ, we would get what God has already placed in our hearts. Mark 5, the woman had been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus walks in there, and also, by the way, the synagogue ruler's daughter had died, but Jesus said, oh no, she hadn't died, she's just asleep. They're like, no, she's dead, but not when it comes to Jesus. Nobody is dead when it comes to Jesus, because he is the king of kings and lord of lords, and he is not only the king of life, but he's the king over death, and he holds the keys of death in Hades. Mark 6, he feeds the 5,000. He walks on water, proclamation. Mark 7, the healing of the deaf and mute man. Mark 8, Jesus feeds 4,000. There's this continued proclamation. There's this continued proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus not only declared who he was, all throughout the scriptures, the law and the prophets testify to him He declared who he was. We have many times in gospel of John, he even says, "The, the name, I am. The very name in Exodus 3 that God identified himself to Moses. He even declares that is his name. He's declaring that and he is with us and he is proclaiming that and he is with us. So how do we respond to the proclaim of the gospel? And here's the point I want to to land on. This is the main idea, if you will. This is the one thing I want us to land on today. This is where I want us to go. Here it is. When we let the effects of the gospel raise us up, then we will raise others up. I'm going to break it down for you. Listen, we have today to let the gospel of Jesus Christ raise us up. We have to be raised up. I know some of you have dream jobs. But the harder you try to get that dream job, and your flesh, the more painful the toil, Genesis 3, under the curse, it is. But when we are on our mats and we realize that we can't get up without the power of the gospel, then and only then, Will God do what he can only get glory to do? Mark chapter 2. Here it is. Mark chapter 2. We're going to see, we're going to see that we let the effects of the gospel raise us up. And so we're going to be challenged. God, I'm going to challenge you to come and get in front of the Lord and say, God, you're. God. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to let you raise me up. I'm not going to go to the right or to the left. I'm going to let you raise me up. And if I have gone down a crooked path, I love what the gospel says, right? The word of God says, what, what, what man has made crooked, he can make. Here we go. Verse 1. Come on, somebody. Y'all gonna loosen up today. Eat a Twinkie. We'll be all right. Verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, he's back in the hood. Sorry, that's John's version. The people heard that he had come home. Man. So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried before them since they could not get to to him, get to Jesus uh, because of the crowd, get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on. They, they, They carried him. They took these four men, couldn't get in because there were so many people. There were so many people. There was no way to get to Jesus except to go up on somebody's roof, destroy their property, and lower the man down. But I want you to know, when you're desperate for Jesus, when you're desperate for Jesus, you'll sell all that you have. You'll buy the Feel where the treasure of Jesus is and you will respond to him. I, I think it's interesting here. Then verse 5, they said something powerful. When Jesus saw their what? When Jesus saw their what? Proclamation. He didn't hear their faith declaration. He's why do these why do these kids come to Christ when these boxes are delivered? It's not because somebody just tells them. I know faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. I got it, Romans, I got it. But I also know that James says faith without works is, yeah, there's, there's this expression. Uh, we don't work for faith, but we work because of. When Jesus Saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, "Son, your sins are forgiven." And the Lord, best thing in the Spirit, just stopped me and said, "John, when the faith of man hits the word of God, forgiveness takes place." And I was about ready to do a Holy Spirit lap, but I didn't feel like it because I wanted to eat. Do you realize when I when when the faith that the Lord gives us is in Jesus? There's nothing but forgiveness. There's nothing but forgiveness. Nothing but forgiveness. So how was their faith seen? Because it was proclaimed. Look, let's go back with me there in verse 3. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by the four of them. I just want to give you the definition of the word carried there in the, in the original language. I want you to kind of just write this in your Bibles or on your phones, make a note or your iPad or Surface, whatever you got. Make a note of this. This word carried literally means this. It literally means to be raised from the ground. Or to elevate, it literally means to be raised from the ground. And some of us in this room, just speak of me. So here's what. Uh, Whereas. see y'all? Y'all gonna think I'm weird, but that's okay. You already do. So, Coach Chad, well, I I didn't have to do the uh, Big South because of the ESPN three. They ran the live feed through there. And, And 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 normally I'm in there, and if not. In the past with you, I've, I've been on the sidelines with you, but I didn't have time to express that to you and ask for your permission. I told the coach, but he was like, yeah. So I go on the, the sidelines off to the side and I'm, I'm just feeling kind of disconnected and I'm just, I'm standing there yesterday and the Lord said, John, this is not where you're supposed to be. The best I understand. And I was thinking, hmm, I'm not supposed to be here. Now, look, I'm not saying y'all going to act all like I'm, I'm mystical and mystic and all this. Stuff. I, I know where you're going with me. But I, I just want you to know, you got to understand in my heart, like the Lord has been having to work with me because, you see, everybody's on a mat. Hmm? Come on. Everybody has a mat that you're on and, and and I'm on. And we try in our own power to get off our mat. But what happens is, what we have to realize is that we can't get off the mat without Jesus. And so I, I was on that field, and I was like, you're not supposed to be on this field. And then I saw the interception run right past me, like re- literally right in front of me. I thought about, well, no, I didn't. Um, that would have been bad. John's fired from Summit, fired from CJ. Yeah. Jamie's like, I don't know who he is. Just showed up. I was like, you're not supposed to be there. So I walked off and I didn't come back on the line until after the game. I I watched the game, I went in the stand The Lord was like saying, John, that's not that's not your lane. And so sometimes I'm in a place that I don't like, so I want to find my, I want to get off my mat my own way. I want to go my own way. I want to try to make my own path. I want to do it my way. But here's what happens. The more we try to get off our path of singleness or brokenness or whatever else it might be, or I want this job or I want this career, I want this. The more we try to get off our mat, the more frustrated we become because it only becomes dead ends. And then we try to ask other people to help us get off the mat. But here's the thing. The four people could only carry the mat. They couldn't get him off the mat. Do I need to say that again? Family and friends can't get us off the mat. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus. But our friends can help but get us to Jesus. So there's a mat that God wants to raise us up off the ground. And only He can do it. And only can be done in the presence of Jesus. It only can be done. And when we allow Jesus to take us, when we say, Jesus, the gospel is so beautiful that I get to be in your presence forever. That it's not the forgiveness of sins that we're going to hear about in just a minute. That's the the beautiful part of the gospel. It's not that we have eternal life and you get to be with all family members. That's not the the essence of the gospel. That's not the most treasurable thing of the gospel. And it's not that we get the righteousness of Jesus. That's not the most treasurable of the gospel. It's that we get Jesus. That is the treasure of the gospel. And so we want to Get in a relationship. We want to have this. We want to have this job. We want to go here. We want to go there. And listen, God wants to use us on our mats to proclaim his beauty. This team is a mat. Your job, my job is a mat. My circumstances are a mat. But it's only when the power of Jesus comes in that he can raise us off our mat. And here's what I want to tell you. And here's the beauty of the gospel. The way you come to Jesus before you encounter him is not the same way you walk away after encountering Jesus. He came in paralyzed and he took up what was his reminder of brokenness and walked out. Because now his brokenness didn't define him. It was a proclamation of who owned his brokenness and healed it. And that's what Jesus will do. And that's when he, then you see the power of the gospel. When we, let, when we let the gospel, when we let the gospel, the proclamation, the effects of the gospel raise us up, then we walk out and we go raise others. Let's continue in the passage there. Verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Maybe some people in this room, John, you're spiritualizing the passage. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who, uh, who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up, take up your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Can I just say it one more time so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, on earth, Right now in our hearts, we can realize the forgiveness right now on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out a love scripture in full view. The man walked with a swagger. Mm-hmm. I, all you naysayers, mm-hmm. you might doubt he's the Son of God. You might doubt that Jesus is Lord. But what I can tell you is this I came in paralyzed, but now I've been set. Mm. I'm just saying somebody's going to get the Holy Spirit. Here we go. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. It wasn't just a declaration that his sins are forgiven, but there was a proclamation that the man walked out not the same way he came in. And that's what the forgiveness of sins does. We don't have to worry. I don't sit here and count. Today, I made three sins. Today, I was mad at Lynette. Today, I said this to my kids. Today, I thought this bad. I don't have to think like that because what I focus on is my faith in the one who has washed my sins away. So how are we raised up? We're raised up because the gospel destroys sin. We don't even have to live in it. We don't have to stay in it. But listen, pride is coming. Let me be just a voice in the wilderness. We're tested by the praise we receive. It's nothing but a test. We did the work. God gets the glory. How are we raised up? We're raised up because the gospel destroys sins. Ephesians 2.1. As for you, you were dead in your tra- our transgressions and sins. In which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That means they follow Satan. They don't know it because he's a liar. He's not going to come and say Satan. He's going to come and say my ways better. But then Colossians 2.13 puts it this way. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. I love this. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all. All our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations, that was against us and that stood opposed to us. We felt it. I felt it. You felt it. You felt. felt. We felt the weight of our sin. But the difference is is that Jesus took that weight away. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Where? Then the question, it begs the question, where did he take it away? Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's where he's taken it away. Hebrews 13, 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate. He went to the place of unclean, outside the city gate, to make the people holy through his own blood. We have been set free. And since we are now raised up, now we go raise other people up. We go to the place of brokenness. We go to the place of low budgets. We go to the places that are not secure, and that are not safe, we go to those places because we have been raised up and we trust that the very God who took us up out of our mat, out of our brokers, who raised us up, will also raise up these people as we proclaim. Let me, let me just put it to you this way. Brandy, can you get ready to show this video? I'm addicted to sermon jams. Y'all know how when I read Piper it's like reading literally it's like this see, spot, run I don't know why some things just become very clear but I listen to I listen to sermon jams over and over because I don't have the time to sit and listen to a 45 minute sermon and you're going with John that explains why I don't listen to you thank you David Padilla huh? anyways I'm just going to give him hard time but, but my point is this, I want you to just take these next couple minutes, and I want you to hear how God has raised us to life, and then we're going to respond.
2: Premacy is the absolutely just and holy wrath of God. We can't know God in our sin because the wrath of God rests on us in our sin. What we deserve from God is not knowledge of God, but judgment of God. And since we're cut off from the knowledge of God and the wrath in the wrath of God, we're cut off from purity, we're cut off from holiness. All the planets are out of order, no matter how secure and successful you feel. God doesn't owe us purity, He owes us punishment. Therefore, we are hopelessly depraved and condemned except for one thing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. God hates sin and his wrath is infinite against sin and we're all stamped and defined by sin and God demands perfection be perfect your father in heaven is perfect you must be perfect nothing short of perfection enters my presence And so there rests on us demands we cannot meet and a curse we cannot bear. And Christ says to his father, may I? Because the father had already made a covenant of redemption with the son, you shall. And the gospel, it is the foundation of this conference, it's your only hope. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came into the world and bore the wrath of God, the curse. Galatians 3.13, one of the most precious verses in the Bible. It became a curse for us. And he performed a righteousness for us, perfect, which we never could perform, which is now, by faith alone, imputed, you, so that you may be united to this perfect Christ, Him bearing all the curse, Him providing all the perfection, and know paradise is open. I can know Him. I can begin to grow in knowing Him. I could actually begin to enjoy him. He's not against me anymore. In fact, the wrath of God has been so totally absorbed by Jesus and the perfection that I must produce has been so totally produced and provided by Jesus that now only one thing governs God's attitude to me and that is mercy. All that I experience, all my pain and all my pleasures are mercy, 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 everything working together for my good. And therefore, paradise is open to me and I can begin to see him, know him, study him, enjoy him, grow in him and find the satisfaction in my soul that he was meant to be. The best gift of the gospel is not the forgiveness of sins. The best gift of the gospel is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. The best gift of the gospel is not eternal life. The best gift of the gospel is seeing and savoring the supremacy of Jesus himself. That's the best gift of the gospel. And we had no access to that joy until he
0: took. allowed some people to not be able to play. It's because you were Gideon. Sometimes your army is too big and too great that they might see your army and not see Jesus. Sometimes God in His sovereignty allows things to happen so that key people could not play so that the only thing left standing that would be seen is Jesus. And I am reminded in that story of Gideon that the fewer numbers Gideon had in his army the greater the victory came because of God. Everybody in this room has a mat. God wants to raise you up so that you will raise somebody else up. And I want to ask you today, will you let him raise up your child? Will you let him raise Raise up your position at your job. Will you let him raise up your suite mate? Will you let him raise up your roommate? Will you let him raise up your spouse? Will you let him raise up your boss? Will you let him raise up your mom, your father, your grandparents or your grandchild? Will you let him raise that person up because you will proclaim the gospel. But the only way to do that, my sisters and brothers, is to sit in the presence of Jesus and pray, increase my faith. And don't get mad when God puts us in a position where there's no way out and the anger and the distrust and the bitterness all comes out and ready to rail at God and then the Spirit of God comes in like a flood and there's a war waging within us as if to say, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, come on somebody, we will serve the Lord. Today will we not only declare but proclaim God is faithful when we are weak. And begin to prepare for what God is doing. ISIS moves in. And people stand with France, and I do. But I want you to know the reason why I stand with France is because I stand with God who wants France to be saved. And so like in Revelation, Robbie, it's coming. We see the armies coming from the north and they're coming down. from the south. They're going to come to Jerusalem, and there will be armies coming that day. But when that day comes, they will meet the presence of God. Where is our God? He is in heaven right now, storing up wrath against ISIS. And in Revelation 6, they will cry for rocks to smash their heads instead of face the wrath of the Lamb. Read it for yourself. That day is coming. But until that day, it's, like I said, where is our God when bad things happen? He's still alive on the throne. And it is His mercy. And that is why we bless our enemies and love them because when we were an enemy of God, He blessed us. So we pray for them and we love them and we ask God, raise us up. Will you today, with your physical body, if you are able, Some of you are not because of bags everything else. We understand. The Lord understands. If you're able, raise us up. Father, that is my prayer. I believe there's some people in this room that don't know you. They've never sold out for Jesus. They need to be raised to life. Raised to life. Sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. Who will stand? Who will come forward and say, I need I want that life. I want the gospel to wash away my sins. I need Jesus. Who in this room will come forward as a believer and say, God, raise me to life. Raise my family to life. Raise my uh, circumstances to life. My job, my sweet mate, my classmate. Ra- Lord, I feel like I've drifted away from you. Raise me up, Lord. Raise me up. I've been trying to get off my mat, and everywhere I turn, I'm still with my mat. Raise me up. God, who's going to raise God, who wants to be raised up today in this room by surrendering in humility and saying, God is a believer in Christ. Increase my faith. Help my unbelief. Raise me up so that then I can go and raise others up. God, flood this place with your presence. We love you. We glorify you. We might know that sin is strong, but we know this, that Jesus is stronger, and not only is he stronger, he is undefeated. Today, you are calling us to respond, and who will stand in the gap for their school and their middle school and their high school and for their friends and for their grandchildren. Who will stand in the gap and be raised to life?